Hello, listeners and viewers. This is Ron Stefanski with episode two of Disrupt Ed in Public Libraries with my dear friend, colleague, and longtime veteran of libraries, John Zabo, city librarian, the city of Los Angeles. John, I couldn't let you go after one episode. You, I, you just have a lot to say, and I think people need to hear it. So we were talking in episode one about the power of disruption and unleashing technology and digital things to keep um, the library innovative, new, robust. Um, and you're also scheming at the same time, in a sense, because you're putting these programs out there with the express intention of getting more library users, right? So you have a high school completion program and someone graduates and now all of a sudden they're on educational steroids. They wanna learn more and they wanna know more. And wow, lo and behold, they've got all the stuff that uh, the library has to offer them. What a bonus. So I'm kind of curious, John, we've gone uh, almost 20 years together as friends and colleagues and I always treasure our conversations talking about what's next. But in this disrupted 5G wired world, I see a couple of things on the horizon that I've got to believe are going to play a role in public library and community life uh, in the months and years to follow. So a couple of them I want to throw out there are, uh, first of all, virtual reality and augmented reality. And then secondly, uh, chatbot GBT to see what you think that's going to do in terms of, you know, Google really disrupted um, search for libraries and brought, you know, digital information together. But now we're talking about artificial intelligence that could, you know, disrupt things even more so. So I'm kind of curious how the library looks at some of these new technologies and says, yeah, we might want to bring these in or we might want to help the community to better understand what's going on here. Maybe you can share a little bit about that. Well, I think it's also about uh, establishing the public library is really a platform for learning, be it through digital learning environments, maker spaces, 3D scanning and printing, having a podcasting studio and um, recording studio in our libraries, and also understanding that our physical spaces can only accommodate so much of that with evolving technologies is, is making that mobile and, and, and having mobile maker spaces. And also one of the real responsibilities I think of public libraries is, is, is preserving memory, preserving history. We've done that of course for decades with books on our shelves and with local history rooms and genealogy and things like that. We continue to do all of those things and, 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 and will continue to do them. But how can we and what role do we have that's beyond what universities and colleges do to, to preserve neighborhood histories, family histories? So much more uh, localized. Doing community archives. So much more localized history, uh, we, in other words. Absolutely. And, and we have a mobile maker or mobile memory labs where we go out into the community and scan uh, documents and uh, images and histories of local communities. Who's telling the story? Who's preserving the history? of little Ethiopia here or little Armenia or Koreatown uh, or the San Fernando Valley, different parts of our, our community. And, and the public library has a real role there. So that's huge. And also thinking about our role in education. We are, you know, as you mentioned in the previous episode, Cleveland Public Library calling itself the People's University. And I think that's what all public libraries really are and looking at what we can do for young people, how we can better prepare young people for school 
Um, we have infused science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, the STEAM topics, through all of our uh, children's programming and all of our teen programming. And uh, that is uh, enormously beneficial to young people's uh, learning. Uh, having those digital learning environments, maker spaces is huge. Uh, having the library have a job and career center so people can put those things that they learn here and elsewhere and, and enter that workforce development uh, system and help them find yeah, jobs. Let's talk about well. the so workforce piece of it here. Coming. This is great. Um, and I want to connect a few dots. So <clears throat> when I've interviewed people on disruption uh, for the Disrupt Ed podcast, I, inter I interview people in the libraries. I interview people in the emerging world of ed tech. And then I've also been talking to a number of pioneers in the advanced manufacturing area. Nowhere is it more spectacular, the progress that we're making with additive manufacturing. So you have these maker spaces where you do 3D printing on a small scale with people learning how to do that. Um, what's interesting is um, we have uh, had a series of four episodes with a gentleman right in your backyard, Kevin Zinger, also from Cleveland, also Hungarian, so C-Z-I-N-G, just like you, John. And Kevin has used additive manufacturing. Check this out. Spent $450 million of investment money, private money, and built a proprietary advanced manufacturing system that 3D printed an entire production quality vehicle that just won the race for the world's fastest production car, a $2 million race car, all 3D printed. So I think one of the things you're talking about, I think it's important for our audience to understand these maker spaces and these forays into new technology because you're giving, you know, you're giving kids a light. You're, you're illuminating new opportunities that don't even exist today. Well, yes, we're, we're opening doors and windows for young people that might not have any ability to access this kind of technology. And we're, we're just as interested in a fourth grader and a science fair project uh, as we are um, entrepreneurs, scholars coming to use our collections as well. We have many entrepreneurs uh, working uh, not only on their business plans at the library, but using that makerspace to develop a prototype, a model for an invention that they have using our laser cutters to develop something, a digital embroidery machine or the podcasting studios or a green screen, uh, all of those things. And, and that's really, really exciting that the public library could play a role, you know, not only in workforce development, but uh, in entrepreneurship and business development. Um, that's a, that's a important role for us to play as well. Well, I think the workforce, uh, development aspect of this is so critically important in a community like Los Angeles, where you're struggling, you're working with your mayor, you're working with city council, you're working with a whole number of constituents to make the economic development that's ongoing in Los Angeles more inclusive. And I think we've reached a point where we have to adopt the practice of stakeholder capitalism, where we, we realize in some cases uh, capitalism has not done its best job of bringing opportunity to everyone. I think that's an important role that the library plays. And you've earned the trust to be able to do that. I think another place where trust has been earned in the libraries is in the whole notion of, of, of information. We've reached a point where, look, four or five years ago, we would have never been talking or having a conversation about 
alternative facts, fake news. And yet more and more, as you look at the research and you look at the Pew Internet Trust uh, polls that are taken, libraries by far and away the most trusted public institution. So in effect, John, aren't you really taking that trust and saying, okay, we've earned this right to be a trusted resource for information and for learning. Now we're going to, you know, we're going to leverage that and provide trusted resources to take people into the next, into the next phase of it. Well, that's exactly right. And and the 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 Los Angeles Public Library, just December 7th of last month, we celebrated 150 years of service in this city. And they're not 150 years, and, and, you know, there are not many institutions in L.A. You know, L.A. is a place of, of, of invention, reinvention, newness, new beginnings, discovery. There are not many institutions in this amazing city that have been around 150 years, and part of that is that we serve everyone, that we, uh, we have the value set that public libraries have, and, and we are trusted, and we have earned that trust over years and years and years. And, and that's true for public libraries all across the country, as you mentioned. They are very, very trusted institutions. And that is something to care for very, very thoughtfully, carefully, and to, but it's also something to be leveraged to do good. And, and the public library, it's why our New American services are, are successful, is because we are on the ground, we're in the neighborhoods throughout the city, uh, we're, we're accessible, we spread our arms open wide to welcome people in our buildings and our digital spaces every single day. And it gives us the opportunity to step into all sorts of different arenas, health equity and health information and health programming, partnering with uh, community health organizations to provide free eye exams to young people. Now, we're not in the fundamentally in the business of giving free eye exams, but when a child uh, is able to get a free eye exam and a free pair of glasses through a partnership with a community health clinic, that is going to open up collections at the library, spaces at the library, the exhibits and public art that we have here to them. And so, uh, and it's also going to help perhaps develop a relationship with that family uh, where they will be library users uh, for years and years to come. So uh, there are all sorts of ways that we leverage that that trusted place that we have in the community. And also it's a reminder of how absolutely important public libraries are to our democracy. Libraries are places where people vote, where people get information, authoritative, accurate information uh, to help uh, uh, prepare them to participate in that democracy. And uh, we're really, really proud of that. That's one of the reasons I love the fact that we have vote by mailboxes, uh, secure vote by mailboxes at all 73 of our libraries. Uh, and uh, hundreds of thousands of people return their ballots. And uh, again, it's, it's something we're partnering to do, but individuals might come to drop off that ballot, but also discover uh, all of the rich resources that we have, exactly. Right. For our listening and viewing audience, we're on episode two. Go back if you haven't heard episode one with John Zabo, city librarian for the city of Los Angeles, talking about the wealth of services that are provided in this disrupted age to kind of make sense of a whole lot of things for new Americans, for those who haven't graduated from high school, for those who are looking to start a new business, start a new job. Community engagement seems to be the wrapper around all this, John. It seems to me that the library, as you're envisioning it, and as you've taken your vision and put it on the imprint of 73 branches across greater Los Angeles, 
It's really about engaging communities very locally. To our listening and viewing audience, I had a chance to talk with John outside the show, and he was sharing with me that the library captures and collects local menus. And so they're not only a convenience to people, but they're also a reflection of the fact that you have an amazing number of very diverse communities, very localized, with very different kind of cuisine and things like that. And that's just another reflection of all these people that you bring together in the library through this massive community engagement. Well, if public libraries are about anything, we are certainly about access and we're about community engagement. And, and one of the things I love about my colleagues who are librarians, library workers here at LA Public Library and elsewhere is we're relentlessly thinking about how we can be of service to our community, how, who we're not serving effectively and how we can do that. And, you know, you mentioned the menu collection. It's a great example of, of the library seeking to uh, preserve local history, uh, and one of the things I just I adore about libraries, whether they're serving a town of 2000 people or a city of four million like L.A., is that they have these incredibly unique, unusual, unexpected collections. And certainly one of the ones we're uh, really proud of is is our menu collection. We have pushing it's pushing now 20,000 restaurant menus. And most of these menus are certainly from this general uh, region and geography. But. We have menus from uh, all sorts of places around the world, and it's not only a, a collection that helps to tell the story of the very diverse culinary history of L.A., but and, and the immigrant communities of L.A., as well as fine dining and, and other uh, elements of, of culinary history in L.A., but it's also a, a, a window into graphic design in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s. So uh, we, we love it, and we love it when people are able to use that collection for research, we love it when uh, a, a, an 11-year-old looks at a menu and says, wow, it's 15 cents for a New York strip steak. Wow, that's amazing. And, and they're frankly just, they're fun to look at. And, and again, they, they're inspiring. They, someone might look at that and say, wow, I want to be a chef or I want to be a, a graphic designer or I want to own a restaurant or wow. We've had, we've had entrepreneurs use some of the dessert menus that we have to, to create new uh, recipes, new dishes that they're serving through their bakery. It's, it's really, really fun. That is fun. That is really fun. So, John, help our, our viewing and listening audience here at Disrupt Ed to understand the impact we're talking about. You're serving a city of four million people. And how many cardholders, how many library users do you have? I think it's important for people to understand. A lot of people think libraries have become less relevant in the digital age. And quite honestly, it's the exact opposite as you're describing it. And so maybe you can help to put um, a finer point on it by sharing the amazing amount of impact you have and the amazing number of people that are actually taking advantage of these resources. It's not a hidden gem anymore. It's, it's a very, very widely used, culturally rich resource at the library. Oh, oh absolutely. Public libraries, uh everywhere and, and certainly here in Los Angeles are more dynamic than ever. They are more relevant than ever. And they're serving uh, the residents of, of our communities in, in more diverse ways, more interesting ways through technology, through our physical spaces, through our outreach. We have outreach teams. You know, you mentioned bookmobiles earlier. We have outreach teams in, in, who go out into the community uh, and, and take our services, take our technology, sign people up for library cards, in local festivals and parades. We really want to not only be in the 
within the four walls of our 73 locations, but really get out into the community. And, and absolutely, uh, our, our ebook collections, our digital space is every bit as important as our physical space. Uh, we just celebrated at the end of the last calendar year uh, being the first library uh, to circulate over 10 million uh, ebooks and e audiobooks on that on our digital platform. 10 million. 10 million. And, and I, many people and some of your listeners may not even know that public libraries do circulate ebooks. Uh, all you need is a library card. So that library card, it again, opens windows, opens doors to opportunity. Uh, one of the, the great frustrations I had many years ago was the fact that we, we made young students in our local school district come in to get a library card. There, you know, and so many of them have parents that may work two, three, four jobs, or, or it may just be a, a, a daunting thing to come in and fill out paperwork, or pe people may not know that we keep all of that information secure and safe. And so we wanted a way to ensure every child in our local school district automatically had access to our collections. We created a partnership with the school district to ensure every single child automatically, by virtue of the fact that they're in the school district enrolling as a preschooler or kindergartner, or if they're moving here or coming in at, at seventh grade or even 12th grade, that they get that library card. And so now hundreds of thousands of students automatically have access. And Coming into the pandemic, that was huge, knowing that every student had a library card, had access, and that's an equity issue as well. So we're really, really passionate about making certain that everyone has that access. John, it's interesting to hear you talk about equity, and you were talking earlier about health equity. We recently hosted uh, Priyanka Nandi and Alicia Bazzano from the Special Olympics organization, and both of them were talking about health equity for their athletes, that so many people became disconnected in this disrupted world that was impacted by a worldwide pandemic. And so have you seen, you know, when, when I'm listening to all the massive amount of things that you've expanded upon during your tenure at Los Angeles, I'm curious if I were the mayor on the city council and you were presenting this to me, I'd be saying, John, where else are we missing it? Where, what, what else can we give you? Uh, maybe we have a hundred, a couple hundred thousand dollars sitting here to do something more. You know, where would you take that money? Where would you go with it? And, and what are some of the challenges that you're still fretting over trying to serve adequately in your community? Uh, well, thanks so much, Ron. And we, we are fortunate to have a fantastic mayor and a fantastic city council that really, that really do get public libraries and understand our value. Uh, and we're always looking for more resources. And the thing that keeps me awake at night is the, the, the amount of opportunity there is to make a difference in people's lives. Every issue you think about, you know, we just talked about health equity. Uh, we talked about immigrant integration. There is, there is so much that we can do. And, and obviously capacity is an issue. And also we want to make certain that everything that we do and all the the new ideas that we have fit within the, the, the fundamental uh, mission of the public library. Um, I, I think that there is much more that we can do in terms of building on the rich programming we have for the youngest in our community from, from birth to five years old, helping prepare young people and making certain that young people are ready for preschool, ready for kindergarten, that people have books in their home, that they're using public libraries, that parents of the youngest in our community understand how it how important it is to read to their children. And so the more resources we can put into that, the better. We have a Read Baby Read program where we give a little T-shirt that says, read to me. 
uh, a little uh, a backpack, uh, a little sippy cup, baby's first book, and yes, a baby can get a library card, uh, and we provide that application for their parent, and and we want we want to reach them as young as we possibly can to develop that lifelong love of reading and learning. Uh, that is so important. And, and, and whether a child is at grade level reading by third grade is an enormous determinant of high school graduation, of lifelong success, of getting a job, of being a productive member of a community. And so uh, I think all of the investments we can make in the youngest in our community are hugely, hugely important. And also ensuring that all of our services and our collections are as equitable as possible and that they represent the amazing and beautiful diversity of the of the city we serve. You know, John, I've been uh, involved in community engagement efforts for a long time, and I'm listening to you. And as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, wow, what are the things that I would take away? And what, as a listener of you, or I would take away when I'm trying to figure out where do I where do I fit into my community and how do I best make an impact with all these explosive, disruptive things going on around me? And I think two of the themes that come through loud and clear in both of these episodes as you're describing life in the library and the role that you're playing as a visionary in that system is eliminating barriers. So the, if it's an operational barrier of not being able to get a library card easily, readily, uh, you're eliminating those barriers. You're eliminating barriers of space by taking materials to the community and reaching out rather than waiting for them to come to you. So I think removing barriers is one of them. And then secondly, and I think this can't be understated uh, or overstated rather, and that is uh, being a welcoming environment. I think that's so critically important and you you haven't touched on that, but as we wrap this second episode, I'd like you to talk about just some of the amazing efforts you undertake on a regular daily basis to bring everyone into the community, into the library, and to offer something to everyone without judgment, without a barrier. I'm a, I'm a huge believer in effective communications, marketing, public relations. Uh, those are not nice to do things. I believe that being good stewards of the tax dollars that we are so fortunate and appreciative to get from our community, good stewards of the philanthropic dollars that, that uh, generous individuals and organizations and businesses give our library foundation, our friends of the library, to be good stewards of those resources and all of the resources that our city has built up in terms of buildings and collections over decades, uh, we have to do a, an effective, savvy, job of letting people know what it is we're doing, letting people know about all of this innovation and, um, and excitement that's happening in their public library. And that means having a great communications team. We certainly do. It means having a very strong, robust, savvy, clever, funny social media presence. Uh, and, and to communicate through uh, all of the channels that people get information and, and, and that that's not just writing a press release and putting it out there and hoping someone covered it. it means actively working to get coverage of the great things that are happening in our libraries it means communications pieces in a variety of different languages it means having staff who represent the communities that we serve who speak the languages that our community serves and having them represent the library some of our most wonderful spokespeople at the la public library are our frontline librarians, our branch managers who go on Spanish language media, Univision, uh, Telemundo, to, to talk about the great work that our libraries do. 
and many other uh, languages. So, so people feel that the public library is speaking directly to them. So that's enormously important. And, and, and all of that outreach uh, effort is, is critical. You know, I think about all the social media outreach from Los Angeles Public Library, and it is truly impressive. But I think one of the things I need to underscore about it is it's impressive because you have an amazing story to tell. You can only do really great social media when you have the material. And it's a credit to you and your staff that Los Angeles is in the vanguard of one of the top world-class libraries out there, spanning the realm from research library to everyday librarian for a new American coming to our shores for the first time. Just a spectacular journey of exploration that you've made possible for so many uh, Angelinos. It's been great to have you on this show. For those listening, this is Disrupt Ed, where we've had the pleasure of talking with John Zabo, city librarian from Los Angeles. And as you can tell, those of you who are viewing as well as listening to our podcast, you can see his impish, childlike enthusiasm uh, for what he does. And John is truly truly top of his game as a library leader and visionary. And you can hear it in his voice, the energy that he has for serving the community and for engaging his community in times both good and bad. John, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Even though we are two episodes in, I got to say, I want you back again. We've got to continue this conversation. You offer so much to the community that people need to know about in this disrupted age of ours. Well, thanks so much. And, and hopefully everyone can tell, and I know you can tell, I love what I do. I love libraries and just encourage everyone to, to visit their local library and uh, volunteer, make a contribution. We're doing really important work. Thanks so much, Ron. Thank you, John, for joining us. This has been another episode of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the passionate and purpose-driven, the do-gooders and the determined, those that are helping us to make sense of this disrupted world in which we live, and those who are helping us to navigate it effectively and successfully. No one more so in my professional life than our guest today, who's been city librarian John Zabo, who does just an amazing job a purpose-driven work in the community through the efforts of the Los Angeles Public Library. I think on our show, John, we're building a following. We have 20,000 people out there listening to the disrupted message. And I think our viewers and listeners are really going to treasure some of the things you've said because it invites us to think, wow, we're not alone in this. There are people who can help. Remember the old adage from Mr. Rogers. He used to say in times of crisis, Find the helpers. And if you've taken anything out of this this, uh, episode, my friends, it's find the helpers like John out there who provide a beacon to navigate city life, urban life, uh, political life, global life these days, and all the strife and opportunity that accords with it. So thank you for joining us on Disrupt Ed. Listen to the podcast join us on our newsletter and continue to join us and grow this community of people who are getting together to help better understand this disrupted world in which we live. Thank you so much. Take care.